Welcome to the Podium Podcast. I am your host, Mark Goodrum. Our guest today is Marcos Colon Martin. Did I get that right, Marcos? Is that pretty good? Yes, that's perfect. We uh, thank you so much for getting in and coming in and talking to us today. You were born in Puerto Rico. And uh, before we get into your musical journey, tell us a little bit how you got started with the saxophone. Was there music at home? Uh, Give us a little bit of background on that. Yeah, sure. Um, well, first of all, Mark, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's sure. really it's my pleasure uh, doing this, and congratulations for this podcast. Uh, sure. I think it's a, it's a great it's a great thing that you're doing. So, so yeah, I um, so I grew up uh, right in, in my hometown. It's called Caguas. Um, it's a small small town. Um, well. Kind of small town in, in Puerto Rico, uh, but very active town. Um, a lot of a lot of commerce, a lot of uh, a lot of things happening there. Um, mm-hmm. And my family, and my parents are not musicians. Oh wow! And the interesting and yeah, and the interesting thing about my family is that they're not musicians, yeah. but all three of, of their children became musicians. <laughs> It's in the blood somewhere, right? Yeah, it, it is. And I think, I believe that uh, my mom said that my, uh, her father, uh, my grandpa used to play guitar or something. Um, uh, and I know I, I do have a, a cousin actually who's, who's doing, he has a rock band now in Puerto Rico. So, so I, you know, so I think, you know, for sure there's something there. I mean, especially right. all three children in the household becoming musicians so i'm the youngest my sister is the oldest and she's a flute player oh uh and then and then my brother uh is the the second the the middle child he's a trumpet player ah very good a a flute flute player trumpet player and then me saxophone player so uh (laughs) does that mean you went wrong somewhere No, of course not. Right. I, right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did things right. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we grew up. Uh, we grew up also in church. Um, okay. So uh, uh, we went to, you know, as growing up, we went to a Baptist church in right. in my hometown, and and you know the church scene. There's a lot of music. Right on, uh, man. In church, so we were. I remember as a little kid also being in in the little children's choir yeah. um, for special events. So, so there was definitely a lot of influence growing up. And and even though my parents are not musicians, I remember uh, they will always put classical music. They they both love classical music. Ah. Um, and yeah, they will they will play on. I mean, I, I still remember my my dad still had a a, a record player uh, <laughs> at home when I was growing up, and he would often play like Beethoven or right. or different composers. And he loved that. I remember he he's always loved uh, film music. Oh so, yeah, and he was a huge, still a huge Star Wars fan. So yeah, yeah. Uh, you know he. He was he was one of those people that you know he went right. back when Star Wars released in the in seventy seven he he was there in the movie theaters you know so <laughs> he was always a, a fan of uh, John Williams music so right. we we would often hear he would often play you know uh, right. he had I remember the record the record of Darth Vader's face on, <laughs> of the the Star Wars LP. Um, and he will he will play it, and, and we will all also play it too. Um, right. So so I would say, yeah, you know, even though they're not musicians, there was there was a lot of influence there. Uh, right. What we were what we were exposed to, um, and then it started. It all started with my sister. Um, I can't really remember how she got started, but I remember when when she started practicing flute at home. Okay. Uh, and and I think it went from there, you know, that 
she started it. So then we got interested in doing it. My brother then uh, got interested in, in playing trumpet. And then when I was 11 years old, that's when I got interested in, in playing saxophone. I see. Um, yeah. So we all went to this in Puerto Rico. There, the music education scene in Puerto Rico is, is very interesting. Um, which is that in regular public schools or even private schools, there are not many schools that have a band program or a, oh. or an orchestra program okay. or a regular music program that, that you see in the States. It's, um, the, what they have in Puerto Rico is mostly, it's like mini conservatories that oh. work, work like a after school program. Oh, okay. So we will, we will all go to our, I remember we, we went to a private Christian school. Um, and at, at the end of the day, when we were done with school, we will go oh, okay. to that after school program in a different spot in town. Right. They had their own, they had their own, their own facilities. Uh-huh. Um, and we would do, we would take their music uh, from classes, private lessons, uh, uh, ensemble playing, solfege. Ah, yeah. They, they would do that all there. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, and that, that's that's pretty much how, how we got started. That's and, that's um kind of a unique different approach um as you were talking i was i was thinking you know now you've taught in the school systems here do you think that might be a better alternative or just something different to have the music programs as a kind of a school in itself uh outside of the uh quote unquote elective kind of thing with here in the states what is your thinking about that between the two i mean it seems like the uh as you said the conservatory kind of thing would be a little bit more um intense or very much more uh, involved because it's focused Uh, tell me a little bit about that what are your thoughts yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely different, and and uh, and of course, you know, and before I know we're gonna we're going to talk about this in a little bit to my involvement with the Navy, but before uh, working with the Navy, I, I was living in Houston, mm-hmm. and and I work a lot with schools over there, um, which also in Texas they have they have you know a very unique. Um, uh, thing about private lessons over there, oh, okay. which is what I was working at. Is uh, that's what I was working in in Houston, just uh, teaching private lessons w- for different school districts. Um, yeah, it is. It's definitely different what what they have in in Puerto Rico. And uh, honestly, I don't know. I really don't know what's best yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think both. I think both offer. Uh, certain benefits, and sure. I do remember. I don't know if things have changed in those um, after school after school programs in Puerto Rico today. But when I was growing up, I remember I remember it being strict in a way that, for example, when people enrolled, they would not be given an instrument right away. Okay, and. And uh, kids will be placed in a solfege class or solfege slash theory class first. And basically during the week, after you're done right with your school, Mm -hmm. after school, you will go to the to the music school and kids will only take theory and solfege for a while, for a few months. Wow. And I remember we used this book. Uh, the uh, Dan Hoiser, Dan Hoiser, uh, Solfesh method. It was right. called. Okay. Um, and this is all like very uh, European type of uh, music education method. Right. Um, I think that's the the influence that Puerto Rico got there, maybe from you know, uh, 
from years ago from when when yeah. even maybe when music education was starting they had influence from european being you know puerto rico first being part of spain before right, right. Uh, before it became a, a u.s colony you know years ago sure. uh but uh, yeah, we use the Dan Hoyser selfish method, and you needed to pass exercise number thirty-one. <laughs> I still remember this <laughs> exercise number thirty-one for you to to get an instrument. Oh wow! And what if in, what what in, happened if you didn't? Uh, I, <laughs> it's, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you, if you like were pushed back or right, uh, for right. sure it wasn't that because it, it was also that's the thing that the music school the music program a detail that I left out was it was is free free of charge. Wow, crazy! It's, it's funded it's funded by the government, um, and I remember my parents would would give them you know they would ask for donations to sure. donations uh, as a you know I, I think that the school also worked. In a type of way, like a nonprofit organization, right? Right. Uh, so, so they would get donations from people if people wanted to donate uh, money. So I remember my parents will give a donation every year. Uh -huh. um, so, uh, so I think I think you know being free of charge and everything. If you didn't pass number thirty-one, then I guess you were <laughs> back or or give it you know give it more yeah. classes to. Right. To, to get better and uh but yeah you were not given an instrument until you passed exercise wow. solfege exercise number 31 of the book and in terms of choosing an instrument i really can't remember how they would choose uh, right. the instrument for the for the kids oh, i remember me when i chose saxophone and it was i was at home and i uh -huh. remember this vividly I was at home. The radio, the radio was on, and suddenly the uh, the main theme for the Pink Panther. Uh, <laughs> you know, that got you. Uh, that got you. That that got me. That that sound of that tenor yeah. saxophone. Right. Uh, and yeah. I didn't know it was a tenor saxophone. I didn't know it was an alto. I don't. I remember listening to that. And I was like amazed by that and. And, you know, and be, and having that influence of already my my sister and my brother were already right. in the school and already practicing at home. Right. Um, and I, I remember going to my mom and I was like, uh, "Mom, I want to play that instrument." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and, and a few days later, she took me to the school and and signed me up. And and I remember they they just told them she said, you know, the instrument I was already interested in. Uh, and when I passed that solfege exercise, they took me to one of their saxophone teachers. Right. Uh, and that's how I, I got yeah. started. You know, you know um, that that's really amazing because I even talked about this when I was teaching how into our individuality, we geared or go or gravitate toward a certain sound. You know, your sister maybe mm -hmm. went to that flute, your brother, the trumpet and so forth. And uh, yeah. I, I like to tap into, you know, what happens in the brain to to really go toward that area. But what I want to ask you next is um, you talked about your influence with your dad and the classical music there. And and you you have uh, an extensive background in that style and many different other stuff, but your thing is the classical saxophone. Talk a lot about that and, and how you got into that. Yeah, sure. So, so right, I, um, at 11 years old, I started in the, in the school of music there in my hometown. Mm -hmm. I took lessons and all that. And all the way through high school, um, I was placed in different ensembles uh, from concert band, to I remember being in a in a saxophone ensemble, mm -hmm. which we played mostly of what we played was uh, Latin music, right. uh, and uh, and jazz too. I remember yeah. so so in high school I was exposed in jazz, and I remember my my saxophone teacher. Uh, his name is Nelson Vega. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if he's retired now, but I know he's he's still very active in, right. in Puerto Rico. 
Um, uh, and he he started teaching me how to improvise when I was in ninth grade. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I got, you know, in high school especially, I was mostly playing like commercial styles of music and and Latin music and that sort of things. And and sure, I will be playing classical, but it was mostly in the concert band setting. Right. Uh, and I remember that my concept of the saxophone as a, as a classical instrument uh, back then was only within concert band, wow. which which we will which we will be playing like usually right in a concert band, you're usually doubling the French horns right. and, and things like that. So so that was my concept of classical saxophone. Now, as I was uh, senior in high school, I was interested in writing already then I was I was already decided, you know, yeah, I want to, you know, follow the path of a musical career. Right. And and my teacher, again, my my saxophone teacher, he was great. I was I was very I was very blessed to have him as a as my first saxophone teacher. Uh, he said, "Okay, so you wanna you want to go to the Puerto Rico Conservatory? Then you gotta listen. He's, he's, you gotta listen to classical saxophone. Right. You gotta listen to this. So he guided me to so so he." He just he uh, simply told me, "Hey, just look for uh, for a classical saxophone CD online." Yeah. And of course, I know I know my I'm quite young, but I remember still, you know, when I was a senior in high school, YouTube was still not a thing. Or uh, uh, oh. I remember Amazon was <laughs> was happening, so so I went through Amazon and I ordered. I just searched ah. a CD. Uh, right. So. So yeah, I, I I still didn't have the benefit of like streaming services or, right, like, right. or Spotify or anything that didn't exist in 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 the in in two thousand or two thousand and one, which I was in in high school then. Okay. Uh, so uh, so I remember I ordered a CD, just a random classical saxophone CD. I didn't know the person or anything, right. um, or the artist. Uh, so and I got the CD and I started listening to it and I was and I started listening to it. I was like, wow, I mean this is this is different. And I think the the what really caught my attention was the what what how different it was from okay. everything that I heard related to saxophone, right? The uh -huh. in terms of sound, uh in terms of the you know the the music style, right? Uh, and and I was really attracted to it because I think I think coming from uh, a background in my family that that they were classical music lovers, that I also enjoyed listening to classical music. Right. So I felt that connection of like, wow, okay, I, I'm a saxophone player, but I can I can actually that that's that is a thing playing classical music right. in this instrument like yeah. like yeah. going away from okay saxophone is only for for salsa for merengue or for jazz you know like, right <laughs> right like I, I i was like it was amazing to me that like wow like i can actually play classical music you, on this instrument. you know that it fascinates me that at that period in your life, you could have went the other way. You there are some people that would have said, "Okay, mom, dad, and <laughs> love that classical, but I hear that jazz or that pop. I want to go this way," you yeah. know. But you navigated toward it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did, and and I I also think that um, part of it was that at some point when I was in middle school and high school, I. I enjoyed uh, also listening to a lot of film music, yes. also especially John Williams' music. Um, and then uh, back in '98, I remember, and I remember, I bought this soundtrack, the soundtrack for the Gladiator movie, oh, yeah. uh, by by Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Uh, I was in eighth grade or ninth grade, and I remember just just like listening to those albums like over and over. I, 
I really enjoyed uh, film music. So, uh, which is, you know, in a way, sure. a lot of film music, right, is, is more mostly related to that classical right. aspect yeah. of music more than, more than pop. Right. Um, so that didn't, that didn't take my, I always loved pop music too and jazz. Right. But as I was entering college, like that just caught my attention that being able to play classical music that I loved so much on the instrument that I loved so much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a win-win. So and that was yeah. And when I when I went to college, I I had my mind clear. I was like, yeah, that's that's the style I want to follow. That's like. Right. What what I want to do, I want to play, and I want to become a very good classical saxophone player. Uh, so, so, that so was, yeah. you went into the conservatory, that was in San Juan. In San Juan, yes. Okay. In, yeah, in the capital of Puerto Rico. And talk talk <laughs> to us about that experience there. It was great. Um, uh, the conservatory is the main musical institution on the island. Okay. Uh, of course, there are other music programs, but uh -huh. that, that one is the biggest. Mm -hmm. um, it's also the main, and, and again, and also being a conservatory, right? A conservatory uh, tends to be more conservative. Yeah. Uh, so, so it was, I have to say it was, there was a little bit of struggle too, in terms of with colleagues and all that, because being a, a more conservative place, you know, the sax, this idea of the saxophone yeah. being a classical instrument, it's like, <laughs> it was sort of like, like, what is that? What is that? It's like, no, that, yeah. that shouldn't be a thing. That instrument should be for like, yeah, jazz or for other. Yeah. It doesn't get so, quite the respect. Yeah, so, so in a way, my my experience and the experience with the whole saxophone studio and my teacher mm. uh, in at the conservatory, his name is uh, uh, Wilfredo Cor. Uh, he uh, he was a, the classical saxophone teacher at the and the first classical saxophone teacher at the conservatory, uh, and. Uh, and that, that was a, a struggle for him all the time that, you know, trying to bring awareness of the instrument and acceptance for the instrument uh, right. in the institution and, and right. to other people, you know. So, so it, was, it was always like the, the, main, the main focus was like showing people that the instrument was capable of, of being used in, in the class. Yeah. Yeah, in the classical uh, uh, style, you know. Right, uh, right. So, so yeah, and but my experience overall at the school was was great. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, like every other music program, I took mm -hmm. theory classes. Right. Um, I was in many ensembles, uh, concert band, and our concert band went to Carnegie Hall oh, wow. one year. Yeah, uh, I was able to experience that and, and play at that at that hall. It's, it was just incredible. Um, and but one one thing is that I do regret is you know as years go by is that my focus was so intense into being a classical saxophone uh, player right. that I did not I did not get to experience at the conservatory their jazz program. Right. Uh, and Latin music program, which is re is really incredible, by the way. Right. And 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 I remember over the while I was there, they would invite many guest artists from, you know, from different places in the U.S. and, and internationally to do master right. classes. And and I was I remember I was so focused in the classical yeah. uh, style that, yeah, that I, I was. I, I didn't get to experience that that other parts of the of the right. conservatory. Right, yeah. right, right. So now you're you're out of the. Um, well, I want to go back to that feeling you talked about playing, and at Carnegie Hall. What is it about that music? You know, talking to our listeners 
that may have strayed away from playing are not music educators and not musicians, but they played in high school and, and they know they have a love for playing music. What is it that you feel when you're not only, you know, playing your sax, but the music when you're in front of the audience and connecting with the audience? Talk about that experience. Yeah, it is. It is interesting, right? Because I think the <clears throat> the experience of playing in front of people to me has changed over time. Oh, okay. Of course, when you are when you are younger and when you're you're getting started uh, playing in front of people, it's just like a nerve wracking mess. It's just <laughs> like you're terrified. You're terrified all the time of playing in front of people. But but over time, I'm not sure how it started shifting for me. Mm -hmm. um, but my my approach is to try to try at first to really think about how the music itself makes me feel. Okay. So how when I listen to that music or when I'm preparing um, a certain piece or or pop tune or whatever it's like yeah. um how does it make me feel so a lot of listening goes into the process of preparing sure so and then and then those feelings those emotions that i get while listening mm -hmm. i try to focus them when i play yeah so and and my goal is to try to make the audience feel right those those emotions you know right Right. The same thing I'm getting, projecting it. Right. Um, right. So, so I think you know, and I think it's a, it's a cool way of 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 aiming, you know, of like finding that musical experience. What's you know, what's what can you get from that music, and how can you can project it. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's the that's the that's the connection. Uh, that's what I, that's what I aim for. If I right. if I'm successful, I, I'm not sure if I'm successful all the time. But, <laughs> but you know, it's it's almost like a minor miracle that we as humans we have this uh, inanimate object uh, called an instrument, whether it be vocal or or your flute or the sax or what have you. And you're trying to convey that emotional feeling that we have as humans from one person to another. And we, as instrumentalists, we can't, we don't have the luxury of lyrics. You know, that's a huge yeah. benefit, of course. And so you able yeah. to convey that feeling. And I, I, prime example for me, like when my mom passed away, I, I played my horn there, and and that was the way I tried to convey my feelings uh, there. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I I just think that's you know a minor miracle. Let's let's talk about conveying feelings. I'm, I have a clip here of a piece called Skylines. Does that ring a bell with you? Yes, Skylines. <laughs> let's let's uh, take yeah, a Iridium Quartet. All right, let's take a listen to that first a little bit, and then I'll bring the volume down and you can talk a, l a little bit over it. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah, so uh, so first of all, this is uh, by Iridium Quartet. Uh, it's my saxophone quartet um, that I formed with my former teacher from the University of New Mexico, uh, Eric Lau. Right. Uh, so so first of all, the group got got formed in uh, 
in 2010, actually, uh, as I was, uh, I was graduating from UNM with my, my master's degree, and I was getting started with my doctoral degree at Louisiana State University. And Eric Lau approached me uh, before I left uh, New Mexico, and he's like, hey, I'm planning on forming a saxophone quartet with two of my friends, and we would love for you to be the fourth member. And it's like, are you interested? And it's like, it's like, hell yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> no brainer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and, and honestly, this for me, my experience, this this group, the you know, of four saxophones, um, it's basically the the best ensemble I've I've performed with. And right now, our last concert was uh, February of 2019. Oh wow! So it's been a while since we've we've played together, right? Because yeah. then, then a month after that performance, that's that was when I went to boot camp in the Navy okay. to join the the Navy fleet bands, and ever since then, and then of course 2020, we know 2020 yeah. will be <laughs> marked forever in history. Right. Uh, so everything, you know, it's been difficult. So. So it's been it's been a challenge to try to get the the group back together to do uh, more things, but well, ever since 2010, we with a you know we we travel a lot. Um, we even went to Scotland uh, on, in 2012 right. to play at the World Saxophone Congress. Wow! Uh, and so we've recorded two albums. This one, which you played, uh, which Skylands is on, uh, that's our second album. Uh -huh. uh, and we've had other recording projects with different composers. And one of them especially was with a very special project that I will always remember was with David Maslanka, uh, okay. which he wrote a he wrote a piece for, it was a concerto for saxophone quartet and concert band. Wow. Okay. Uh, and we premiered that and recorded it. Uh, this was also 2012, 2013. Uh, but the album that the album where that piece is on didn't was not released until I think 2018 okay. was when that album was was finally released. Um, uh, and um, yeah, it's been great. It's been a, an, an incredible experience playing with uh, with Iridium Quartet. So mm -hmm. talking about this piece, because you asked me about the, the piece. Right. Um, yeah, yeah Sky, Skylines, right? So Skylines is by the composer's name is Peter Lewin. Okay. And he's, he's actually based in College Station, Texas. Uh, um, he's, a, he's a professor there at uh, Texas, I think it's, is it Texas A&M? I think yeah, okay. Texas A and M and College Station, um, and he 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 knew uh, two of the members of our quartet, our, our our soprano player and tenor player. He knew them, and they sort of talked to him into writing a piece for us, and, and oh, okay. he he did. Uh, so that was his piece, Skylines, and just as the title suggests, right? Skylines uh, suggests like when you see a major city. And and you just see right. the skyline on right. the with the buildings, right? So so when when I hear it, I I imagine a road trip when I hear right. this piece. It's like yeah. so you're driving. Let's say you're away from a big city and you're approaching that big city, right? Um, and you you finally start seeing these huge buildings just creeping out, and then you just see right. that awesome skyline and that 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 actually i experienced that here when i go to seattle if i'm driving yeah, I, yeah. i'm driving from from home and we're visiting the city and we're just driving around and and when we're approaching the city right uh it's, it's that feeling and it's just it's just this uh uh it's like this feeling of being it's like a, I, I cannot describe it in, in words really, but uh, drawn in. You know, where you're you're approaching and you're drawn with this amazing uh, scenery of right. this huge skyscrapers. It's just like 
It's, yeah. it's, just a, a, it's kind of like a, a wonderful but terrifying thing. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. uh, you just see this. Wow. It's just like it's just, just incredible. You're approaching the city. Right. Um, and then the the clip that we listen to, right, is, is very, very active, a lot of movement. Right. So it's like right in, in a city, in a, in a city, it's like that. There's a lot of movement, a lot of traffic. Right. A lot of, right. So that's why you, you hear you hear this uh, motion happening all the time. And well, right. What I, I wanted to mention is that when I listened to it last night, that syncopation, it's all over and right. it's fragmented and ba -da -da -ba -da -da -da, all of that going yeah. on. And when you were talking, you made me think of um, as we were coming in, my wife and I to Albuquerque for the very first time from the east and coming through uh -huh. the mountains. And as you're coming through the mountains, you know, you're wondering, where is a city? There can't be a city here. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's the Albuquerque and all the the skyline like that. And you're you're absolutely right. You've got that syncopation right. going on the and the different tones mm -hmm. going on. And uh that's a, a, a great uh, piece there, uh, Skyline. And uh, let's, uh, I've got another one here. Um, set this one up. Uh, let's see. I didn't get the title. Was this, was this your? Um, Is that the, sol the solo your, piece? Yeah, um, the solo piece. Here, I'll play yeah, it for that, you. Uh, Man, that that's it. I puts a smile on my face. That's some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to cuss on this uh, podcast, but that's that's some playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, that's definitely a, a very fun piece. Uh, that's the fifth movement, fifth and final movement of. Uh, it's called Tableau de Provence. Okay. Uh, by composer uh, Paul Maurice, uh, um, and uh, it, it's a great piece. Tableau de Provence, right? It, it means uh, uh, scenes or images from province, um, and the uh, what it it describes every single movement describes a different painting or a different scene in the in the town or, or city of province. So this particular movement is called, uh, I can't remember the exact name in, in French, but it is, it is, it does mean like the bumblebee or the bee. And as you can see, all the lines uh, pretty much describe all this fast moving lines up and down, kind of like describes the the flight pattern of a, of a bee. Just goes up and down and articulated and something slurred and it's just this game of uh of how the the bee is flying around so you're in you after all that now i'm i just met you this past summer great experience yes. you you're, you go to boot camp and tell us how that all came to be because you also are a music educator you were teaching private lessons so what happened? Yeah. <laughs> what, happened? yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened indeed? Yeah. Um, you know, in, in general, you know how, how it is being, you know, uh, being a musician yourself and a music educator. Um, life happens. You know how uh, life happens. Uh, a music career is a, is a challenging career. Um, I think it's a, it's a very... Uh, I mean, it's it's a very enriching career, but it is it has a lot of challenges, right? Sure. Um, so, uh, back in 2014, uh, I was finishing my doctoral degree, and a friend of mine called me from Houston, and 
Um, and you know, Houston and and Baton Rouge sure. or Gonzales, where we live in Louisiana, is only four hours away right. driving. Uh, so he, uh, this friend of mine, called me, bassoon player, uh, and and he ta- he says he says, hey man, like the the private lesson scene here in Houston is is big, and and they're looking for a lot of saxophone teachers. Right. So uh, would you be interested in something like that? I was like, at the time, you know, I was. <laughs> Finishing up grad school, I was working at a retail store, in you know, on the side sure. to make some money on the side. Uh, it was a music store, uh, so I was, you know, I was doing a little bit of, of music stuff there too. But, uh, well, you know, it was a retail job, so I wanted sure. to move into, you know, try to do something uh, more career related. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. So. So, uh, so I was, I said sure. Like so, he he put me in contact with some band directors in Houston, and I I went over there. I drove over there, had a few interviews, and and they told me, yeah, you're uh, you're hired. But basically, basically, right, you as a private teacher in Houston, you it's like your own business. Sure. So, so technically, I was freelancing the whole time. So. I did learn a lot about bookkeeping, like, just like <laughs> paying your taxes. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, because right, all the um, you know, I basically the way it worked, band directors put me in contact with parents, sure, and their students, and I would contact them, and then that's how we would set up private lessons. Right. The benefit of it was that I could, I was able to teach private lessons at the schools. Right. So there was always facilities available, so that made it easy for scheduling. Right. So I would show up at school, sometimes even during the day, during even during their band class. Wow, that's great. Like they'll yeah, they'll be having their band class. I would show up and then that during that class period I had maybe two students. Right. So and then I would see each, you know, 30 minute each if it was a one hour class. So right. Right. And just like that, and I, and one year, I think it was 20, 2016, yeah, 2016, that year, I had 82 students. Oh, man, good studio. Yeah, yeah. I had a full, a full week of work, basically, because it was half hour lesson. Right. So technically, I have, I have just over 40 hours of right. teaching privately. Right. And while in Houston, I had also, I knew a few people who live in Houston, uh, musicians, and they were very involved in the salsa scene. Okay. So okay. that, that made me, so when I moved to Houston, that, that also, right. I spent all this year from 2003 to maybe 2014 playing you know focusing on playing classical music and classical saxophone right and I, when i moved to houston i started getting in touch again with my commercial side of of performance right uh so and i was very rusty very very rusty <laughs> uh and but I, I i started getting the hang of it again and and i was and basically when i was in houston i was teaching the full week and then doing the weekends friday and saturday I was okay. playing salsa gigs in town. Oh, yeah. Uh, so that that's what I was doing. That's what I did for like four or five years in right. Houston. Okay. Then what what happened? You know, going back there to what happened was that there was one summer that was yeah summer of 2017 because 2017 okay. was a, a huge huge year uh, for me too. Which uh, what happened was that my former teacher from the conservatory in puerto rico uh he was retiring okay so and the position to teach at the conservatory opened up and they were looking for a saxophone a classical saxophone teacher ah, there you go so i was like i was like you know that's my alma mater yeah it's back back in puerto rico um at the time my wife was already teaching uh as a music uh, uh, general music teacher uh, okay. for elementary school in in Houston. Yeah. So I applied. I applied for the job. Uh, they. I got it. And basically, our plan was I was going to move to Puerto Rico first, see how things worked out because the 
the Puerto Rico gig teaching at the conservatory was not a full-time job. It was uh, a part-time adjunct position, oh, okay. which you get paid by the hour, and it was not a tenure-track position. Oh. So, so I was like, you know, it's it will be good. It will be great for my resume. Um, so what if I, let's, let's see how it works. I'm going to go right. to Puerto Rico. And, you know, she, yeah. she decided to stay in Houston. So we were going to check how things work. And if things evolve greatly in Puerto Rico, then our plan was then maybe we'll move back to Puerto Rico, you know? And Sure. Uh, so, and then what happened was August of 2017, Hurricane Harvey <laughs> hit Houston. Yeah. It went to Houston, so I couldn't. I couldn't get to. I couldn't start teaching in Puerto Rico on the first week of classes. Right. Uh, so I couldn't get there in time, and I call. I called the dean, and the dean was like, "Hey, you know, don't worry about it. Just right. do what you need to do." Right. He told. He tells me, you know, like here in Puerto Rico, we are experts in hurricanes. You know that, so we know. <laughs> you know how. We know how, how difficult things can get with a hurricane, so don't worry. We understand. Right. You just whenever you're able, just fly here. So I had to wait basically until the the airport opened in Houston because Hurricane Harvey flooded everything. Right. Uh, so I had to wait, and I had to wait until like first week of September. Right. And classes had already started in at the conservatory mid August, so. I was finally able to travel to Puerto Rico. Uh, and then I taught one week at Puerto Rico. And <laughs> that, that second week, Hurricane Maria. <laughs> Mar Maria. Maria. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so huge. I mean, that hurricane broke records, you know, for other, the, it was right. more the most devastating hurricane in the history right. of Puerto Rico, basically. Yeah. Uh, so that that was totally unexpected. Hurricane Maria destroyed a lot of things. The whole island went out of power. Right. The so classes at the conservatory were canceled for over a month. Wow! Wow! So it's really became a very tough situation. Right. Uh, for I mean, for my right, my particular circumstances. Uh, sure. So my wife was in Houston. I was stuck in Puerto Rico at a, right. a complete devastation. Right. Uh, thankfully, she you know thankfully she was working right. She was right. working in Houston, so yeah. there was some income coming. Right. Um, and and unfortunately, it just for me it became a very tough situation. Sure. So when finally classes started again, I well I, I talked to the dean and I was like, hey, you know, I'm right. I'm very sorry, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay and finish my contract, which is was for one semester. Right. Uh, and but I told him, but as soon as the semester ends, I'll have I right. I need to go back to Houston. So. Yeah. Uh, so then when I went back to Houston, that was February, 2018. Yeah. That's when I saw, I just saw a random post on Facebook for Navy fleet bands looking for saxophone players. <laughs> and I was like, well, here I am. Uh, I have no job. Uh, so I like, I need, I need to do something. I need to do right. something. So, so it was like that. So I, I decided to take the audition. Uh, prepare for it, yeah. uh, and and you know I was offered the job right. over there on the spot, and and after that I had to go through like I was overweight, so I had to like, <laughs> lose some weight. You had to get in shape. To, yeah, yeah. So to be at the music part was good, but right. my physical <laughs> part for being a, a sailor in the navy yeah. <laughs> whole was whole another story. Like, yeah, so I was, I remember I, I got the job, I was offered the job in summer of 2018, right. but it wasn't until March of 2019 that I was finally able to go to boot camp because I had to work on my weight and right. so I had to lose, I, I lost over 40 pounds. Wow. Uh, wow. And 
just that's good. Like, you know, that's good. That, and and the, and the motivation was like, well, I need, I need this job. You know, yeah, I, I, need, yeah. I need a job. I need a job. So, uh, so yeah, now, so, talk about your uh, your experience in the Navy now and and your future, where you're going to be going. Yeah. yeah. So the Navy has also been a very interesting, interesting. Uh, uh, interesting experience yeah. <laughs> so uh so it is it is a very interesting job um so i right now i'm in my my first band right like people get rotate to different bands across the united states and and abroad right there's two bands overseas one in japan one in italy right. uh so the idea is that every three years you rotate to a different band um and so right now, you know, the experience after after going to the boot camp, then after boot camp, you go to Virginia to a school for a few months. Everyone goes through that. And honestly, my experience there for me, it was like, well, you know, I, I already have a doctorate degree, you know, it's like, <laughs> and then I, I like, they get, you know, the, you start getting like theory classes again, which were yeah. very easy because it's yeah. like, well, you know, I, I know this stuff already, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so, but, but that's, that's simply part of the process. And, uh, right. and yeah, I just had to wait like four months in order to, then they gave me orders here to, uh, to Silverdale, Washington for Navy by Northwest. Um, uh, and, and, you know, the, the, I think really, for me, the the most benefit I've gotten as a musician from this job is that I've been able to get in touch again with my commercial side of playing. Sure. Which it which is really what I wanted. You know, when I when I decided to, hey, I'm gonna take this audition. So I, I always in the back of my mind, I was like, hey, you know, this will be a good opportunity for me to go back into playing other styles of music rather than classical right and really really focus on my improvisation skills right um and that's really what i've done i mean i've been i've been grateful of being so the navy band how it works is that um we have you know this band in particular is one of the smallest so it's around 30 people total okay so we get we get split up in different groups and so the group i'm in is the brass band Right. Um, and, and that, you know, we play funk, we play, uh, some jazz, we play some rock, we play right. some fusion stuff. So, so that has been, I found a lot of benefit from it, from as, you know, as my own skills. Right. And I have to say, it's been, it's been, it's been amazing, you know, working with your son, with Jared. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I've I've learned a lot from him, and I'm I'm grateful to have the experience of playing next to him because he, you know, I've I've learned a lot of about you know improvising and just just by listening to him play, and uh, um, and I think that for me has been the greatest benefit. Um, of course, the this job in particular is not like you think. Okay, Navy band, you'll be playing music all the time, right. and so <laughs> so you know unfortunately you know it's like it's not you know that this job uh you're not playing the whole time you know there's, sure. there's other stuff that you have to do there's a lot of office work that that is not the most fun at right. times yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but but i think i think at this at this moment um uh, you know for first of all i'm i'm grateful of, of having having a steady income uh, right. and having uh, uh, some benefits that the military right. uh, offers you. Right. And, and right now, here where we are, my wife was, was very uh, fortunate to, to get a very good job at a, at a school here. Yeah. Um, and, and she's very happy, too. So, so right now, at this moment, we're very happy where we are. Right. And what the, future, what the future looks for me is, is like, there's a lot of, of uh, thinking going on because just so you know, uh, a position open for the premier band in Washington D.C. I heard about that. Uh, just for yeah, so just for the for the listeners right uh, of the podcast, so the the Navy um, 
as many different bands, but they're categorized in different positions, right? You have the fleet bands, right? Which is the their standard bands, and there are nine of them. If I'm not uh, incorrect, right? If I'm correct, there's not about nine of them. Huh. And then there are two bands. There are two bands that are considered the premier bands. Right. And that one is the Navy band in DC, and the other one is the Naval Academy band. Right. Um, the difference is basically the difference is how you get started with pay. So of course, you get paid more money being in the premier bands, and also getting into those bands, the auditions are way harder. Right. Um, so so definitely. Uh, the level, the level of musicianship is is way higher right. uh, for those bands. So, so a position open in the Navy Band DC and taking the audition in February. Uh, good luck. Uh, let's see. Yeah. yeah, let's see how that goes. Um, other than that, um, then, you know, I, uh, I've been thinking different things, either going into the next band, uh, if I stay in the fleet bands, going into one more band, right. doing one more tour, uh-huh. uh, or or just simply uh, separating uh, when I'm done with this band, uh, simply because of how you know my life situation is at the moment. Um, again, as I mentioned, my wife got a great job, and that's that's sure. something that I also, as a husband, need to think about. Sure, um, sure, <laughs> yep. So uh, H- happy wife, so, happy life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and. And then, um, you know, I've I've been thinking other stuff. Uh, I've I've also considered going into education myself, um, maybe teaching middle school bands. Uh, right. Um, so so that's one thing I'm I'm looking into. So there, okay. there's still a lot of, yeah. I I think I think it's uh, I don't know. I I find myself that my career has has gone into this. Uh, path of like doing many things at right. some point in my life. <laughs> so, well, so, uh, yeah, you know, it, yeah. it does that. And music is a common thread, you know, and one of the things we talk about on this podcast is that, you know, all your life, you can stay in music, teaching it, playing it. And um, that's the other gift besides just listening to it. So Hey, man, I want to thank you so much, Marcos, for uh, taking the time. It's been a blast listening to your journey. And what a journey. It's not over yet. <laughs> it's, no, it's just, over. It's just beginning. Over. Yeah, it's just beginning, man. And uh, uh, we, uh, we thank you so much for your service and uh, bringing the, your talents to the Navy and uh, sharing that with the, the country and the world. So we do appreciate it. Anything else you want to leave uh, our listeners with before we uh, uh, sign off here? Uh, sure. I mean, first of all, uh, thank you for having me again. It's, sure. it's been uh, it's been awesome having the, this time to talk. Uh, yeah. You know, to talk about one of my favorite topics, which is music, of course. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I've, if I can say something um, about. Uh, I think you mentioned just like people who have maybe left uh, music or right. um, or were maybe able able to to really get get involved in music. Um, I think you know having if you're interested, uh, try to find time. I, I don't think I don't think uh, music is only for young people or. Right. Right. Or you should, or you should get started, or you should get started in music when you're only young. Uh, you can get started anytime, and sure. and of course, the most difficult thing is finding the time for it. <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know, if you can find the time, you know, uh, listening to music, getting getting an instrument that you're interested in, there's no uh, there's no roadblocks really. You can get right. started on any instrument. At any point in your life. Uh, right. That being said, I do remember I had I had a student back in Louisiana. He was around uh, fifty five, late fifties, mm-hmm. and he was just getting started. He was like, he just yeah. he suddenly approached me and he's like, "Hey, you know, I've I've never studied music, and I'm just, right. you know, I'm I'm like fifty five years old. I just want to learn saxophone." I was like, 
sure you know sure yeah, yeah. so it's it's so it's just like that i think i don't think right. music is is music is forever really yeah anyone can get started on it that's right so, forever hey so thank you so much we want to thank also the listeners for listening to the podcast supporting the podcast Again, you can find the podcast, the Podium Podcast, on Spotify or on your favorite podcast platform. Again, Marcos, thank you so much for coming by. We do appreciate it. And until next time, let's try to play all the right notes. You've been listening to The Podium. If you would like to be a guest on The Podium, email the show at onthepodium2 at gmail.com. That's O N. T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M-T-O-O at gmail.com.